Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, On today's show, we're going to talk about uh, churches and uh, what's going on with regards to churches. And to help me do that, I have with us here... Our, the PJI Director of Mission Relations, uh, John Campbell. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brad. Good morning. Good morning. Now, you've been a pastor for some 20 years That's right. Uh, yourself, and I appreciate uh, your past service. And now you're uh, ministering to churches uh, you know, across the United States for Pacific Justice Institute. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about some of those issues that you see, some of the, the types of issues that we at Pacific Justice have been dealing with. Yeah. You know, but before I do, I, I first want to just address a couple things in the news that really bothered me, uh, and it, it really bothers you know an organization like PJI. That's right. Uh, especially when we're dealing with you know issues of parental rights. You know, everyone likes to think of Disney. You know, Disneyland and the Disney Company as being friendly to everyone, loving, accepting of everyone, yeah. not hate-filled. Um, but apparently, they do have something against parents. Yeah. Because. The uh, governor of Florida, DeSantis, signed into law uh, the uh, parental rights law. It's a parental rights in education law, which simply prohibits government schools from teaching kindergarten to third graders um, material dealing with the LGBTQ movement, transgenders, you know, sexual activity, sexual orientation, all that stuff. Says, no, no, hands off. and unless you have a you know a, you know it's, it's parents' rights to do that. That's right. Uh, and it's just a, only to third grade. I, for me, I think it should be like to twelfth grade. Yeah. But uh, we're talking five to eight year olds, correct? Right. Let's just let's just stick with stick with educational issues. Yeah, okay. five to eight year olds stick with educational issues. Don't get into sexuality. Right. Ge- you know, sex, gender identity. In fact, we've seen that to be very harmful and damaging to these, these children right. by government schools. It helps solidify confusion instead of allowing a child, which statistically over 70% will actually work through it by the time they're done with elementary school right. into, into junior high. So this is very irresponsible. So it's, so it's, it's good legislation. Yeah. Disney has come out against it. Wow. That's the, the, the place that's supposed to be encouraging for kids and for parents has basically said the normative, which has been the normative up until recent, like DeSantis and, and the, the state of Florida has just codified what has been normative up until recent years. And Disney coming out against it is appalling. Yeah, they said uh, on CNBC, they said, uh, you know, the uh, Disney representative said uh, our goal as, as a company is for this law to be repealed hmm. by the legislature struck down in the courts. And we remain committed to supporting the national and state organizations working uh, to uh, with regards to this bill and the opponents, the, the, uh, the LGBTQ uh, groups, et cetera. This is, um, this is what they're, they're pushing for. And, uh, right. and it's very disturbing that, uh, that they're doing this. You know, the, their Walt Disney World and Orlando alone brought in $18.2 billion a year in economic activity. Wow. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a substantial company. And to see them just take it for granted that they can continue to be openly for the destruction right. and perversion of children yes. and harm to little children 
and ignoring the rights of parents should spell a, a signal loud and clear. Maybe people should think twice before giving their money to such an evil, uh, committed organization like Disney. And what's challenging is, is I fault the media for a lot of this, too, for not properly reporting on this. You know, there's there's a mistitled term of this bill that has been going around called the don't say gay. In a lot of ways, we could have called it the anti-perversion bill. Don't right. talk about perverse things to my minor children, my eight-year-old, my five-year-old child. Yeah, it, the study, it's, 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 the whole focus yeah. is on parental rights. Correct. It's the rights of parents, so that's why it's called. The parental rights and education law. Yeah. It's not having saying it's not going to we're going to attack this or we're going to attack that. We're going to promote this or promote that. No, it's just mm. saying, hey, at the end of the day, parents have a right. Yeah. Especially at such a young, precious age to decide what's appropriate for their children. I think this is way it needs to be expanded to, you know, eighth grade or, or, or 12th, you know, 12th grade. Uh, this kind of material is and the way it's presented has actually been very harmful. Uh, statistically for children and decisions they make and the consequences of those decisions because of what they're encouraged and deceived with regards to uh, uh, these, uh, these issues. It's, it's not uncommon for government schools now, particularly at junior high level to be trying to convince boys and girls going through puberty, having a lot of confusion, uncertainty, um, anxiety, fears, curiosities, uh, to, to, to take these kids and use their, their, that state, that fragile state, yeah. to say, oh, you're having these thoughts and feelings, you're having these curiosities, oh, that means you're gay, or that means you're transgender. We're going to help you. Let's keep it from your parents. Yeah. That's all too common, and uh, this legislation, I think, needs to be firmer, uh, if, if anything. Absolutely, and I know you've been heavily involved in, in parents' rights and the issues of parents. When parents say, no, I don't want this government institution um, saying those things to my kids and then CPS coming in or child protective services or the appropriate state and then wanting to pull kids out of the family because they don't agree with this. You know, John, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it is true. Uh, we at PJI have given counsel all across the United States to parents who have social workers threatening to take their kids, not because the parents are really abusive. Yeah. Now they're taking children and attempting to take children and taking children because of the radical LGBTQ movement. That is, you've got a child, yeah. say in sixth grade, uh, these, we've had these, these, these examples, yeah. where the child says, you know, to the teacher, I think I say a girl says, I think I'm a boy. I feel like I'm a boy. Oh, really? Well, let me have you talk to the school counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, that's a generalization. A lot of them are, are competent people, but anyway, we won't go there. Uh, so these counselors, quote unquote, tell these kids, oh, really? So, uh, oh, you're having these feelings? Oh, do your parents affirm you? No, if my parents yeah. found out they'd kill me. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, we need to call, I need to call in CPS. Right. There's a reasonable suspicion here of, of abuse or neglect or harm. This, this poor child could be going through things uh, emotionally. So they call social workers. Social workers then knock on the door of the parents and say, um, you know, are you going to affirm your child changing their gender? And the average parent would say, absolutely not. It's a, it's a disorder. Right. It's a mental disorder. My child, I'll, I'll get them counseling. If they say that in states like California, New York, Illinois, and other states, they lose their children. And so we give them counsel on how to protect their kids. And I just want to say right up front to parents, if you're watching this or your grandparents, um, you want to make sure your par- these, these, these parents are protected to, uh, to protect their kids from being taken wrongfully by social workers. Uh, go to our website. Uh, pji.org. 
and get our article that we have. It's under parents' rights. You click parents' rights, and it's an article called, called 12 Steps to Protect Your Children from CPS or Social Workers. Mm -hmm. uh, download this. Have it on hand because when a social worker knocks on your door, makes a phone call, you're going to need this and you need to respond to this. And of course, we at PGI are there to give you counsel as well. Yeah. And as you mentioned, essentially what Disney is saying is they would rather agree with this agenda of that the, the state knows better what to teach your kids than parents. That's what opposition to this bill is. basically. And, it, and when it comes to not mathematics or English, when it comes to sexuality. Yeah. For a five-year-old. And sex acts. Yeah. And, and uh, gender confusion. Really? So this is, uh, it's sick. It shows you where Disney's at. And people, we can either give them our business or we can speak up and say, enough is enough. I'm not going to give money to something that is against my family yeah. and, 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 and an agenda and uh, social worker system that is uh, proven to be a threat. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk on to uh, today, I want to touch on, which is very disturbing. You know, I'm I'm an attorney. I went to University of Texas School of Law. Uh, it's a top twenty law school, and um, it was a it was a great education. I had a few professors that were activists, uh, mm -hmm. you know, anti-religious freedom, uh, you know, anti, uh, you know, true equality. Uh, but generally speaking, it was a pretty good education. I didn't have a professor like this professor at UCLA, though, that was hmm. uh, is off the charts in terms of radicalism okay. and outrageousness. UCLA's director of race and equity, okay. not equality, but equity, which is okay. a code name for redistribution of wealth yeah. and uh, based on race. Equal outcomes. Yeah, based on race. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very racist. Yeah. Um, so this, this uh, radical leftist uh, professor, uh, Jay Perk, uh, Jonathan Perk, uh, he appeared last week to wish for the death of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who was in the hospital. He was struggling to live. He was, you know, he was sick with the flu. How, how serious it was, we don't know, but he was in the hospital. Yeah. And here's what he said. Here's what Jay Perk said on his Twitter, his iPhone. It said, he said, no one wants to openly admit that, parentheses, we all, close parentheses, hope Clarence Thomas dies. Whatever you need to tell yourselves, this whole rule, which is not a complete sentence, but anyway, um, he says, uh, this whole rule, uh, we're not to wish ill on people, is silly. Uncle Thomas, which is a, a derivative of Uncle Tom, right. um, is a sexist token who's committed himself to making us all share in he and his treasonous wife's misery. Uh, this guy is sick. Yeah. Uh, UCLA School of Law um, should, I mean, it's outrageous. They should fire him immediately. Yeah. To openly say, I want someone dead mm -hmm. um, is sick. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, so Jay Perk, uh, Jonathan, you know, at Jonathan Perk, that's his Twitter. Um, you know, he, uh, to say he openly wants Justice Clarence Thomas dead. Uh, should he immediately disqualify him? He should be fired yeah. immediately from this state school, UCLA. He's not not just as a private citizen. This is a state employee. A state saying. employee, um, who's educating our kids supposedly on 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 race sensitivity and, and equity. Yeah. No, the guy's a, a bigot. He's a racist. Yeah. Uh, you call him Uncle Uncle Thomas. Um, you know, he's himself is a you know I believe is an African American uh, professor. So he's a hypocrite. 
Um, he is for attacking Clarence Thomas because um, he's not signing off on the radical leftist agenda of, of uh, racial activists like him, uh, like Jay Parks, uh, Jay Perk. So um, I, this isn't just another example, though, of how sick mm-hmm. our professors are, right. uh, how demented they are and how they need to be uh, called into check. And conversely, you know, why we have pe- people like this, bozos like this. Uh, being paid by taxpayers at our law, law school like UCLA. Uh, we have uh, Professor Eric Thomas, uh, who is our Thompson, uh, who's being, we're representing, who was fired uh, from his job at Moreno Valley Community College simply because he provided both sides, both yeah. arguments with regards uh, to the issue of same-sex marriage. So you've, you present both sides, you lose your job, you come out with extremely racial hate-filled language, no problem, no action. To it. And the ir- irony that this is the gentleman that's in charge of diversity and equity for UCLA. And you've got, instead of celebrating somebody like Clarence Thomas, who's extremely bright, smart, happens to be African-American, and yet calling him a race traitor, essentially, in his comments. Yeah. Uh, Jay, Jay Perk is a, he is a, he is a racist. Yeah. He's a, he's, he obviously has tremendous hate, uh, race-based hate. Um, to say those things that he did a bit against Clarence Thomas and what Clarence Thomas stands for, um, it's, it's outrageous. Clarence Thomas uh, has proven to be uh, one of the most written justices on the Supreme Court in terms of his writing of briefs. Um, he's very consistent in his ideology of respecting the Constitution, yeah. the original intent, the strict construction of the Constitution. Uh, Clarence Thomas is a hero. Yeah to those who respect the Constitution. This thug, Jay Perk, um, well, I've, I've said enough. I've said enough, I won't say any more. But uh, we have to call it out when we see it. Right. And, um, and uh, this man deserves to be fired. And, uh, and you know, he, he's displayed what, where he's coming from, he deserves to be fired. Now, let's talk about the churches. Yeah. Uh, John, uh, there's a number of concerns I know that churches have. That's right. Uh, regarding a number of issues. What are some of the issues that they're concerned about right now, would you say? Well, one of the things that we've heard about at PJI, especially for churches that have Christian schools, um, what is the impact of legislation, proposed legislation in California? We, we know that Florida has celebrated parental rights and, and instituted legislation there with Governor DeSantis to protect parents' rights and education. But in California the state is looking to remove more of those and to codify it, which you know, and I wanted to ask you, what is some of the impact? There's a couple of bills in particular that the Senate Bill 871, which requires COVID vaccines prior to attending any school in California, any school-age kid required to get the COVID vaccine when there's questions. Mm-hmm. And then another Senate Bill, SB 866, which allows children up to the age of 12 years old or starting at 12 years old and up to determine, self-determine if they can get the vaccine on their own without any parental uh, advice or, or consent at all. Yeah. So what is the, uh, schools are, are calling PGI and asking, what do we do about this, Brad? What, where do we go? What can we do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, John, uh, I'm glad you brought those up. We talked about those uh, recently as well, but uh, people need to be reminded, these are very dangerous bills. Yeah. Uh, you know, 871, as you already said, uh, would require every child in a public school, a charter school, or private school mm-hmm. uh, that they have to, to be 
vaccinated and it removes the personal belief exemption. Okay. Right now there is a personal belief exemption uh, to for parents to lay hold of. In fact, if they want to take advantage of that, uh, they just go to our website, pji.org. They can sign up to get our personal belief exemption form, okay. which will protect their children under existing law. Right. But if this passes, 871, it says no. There's no personal belief exemption. Whether you're in a private school, a public school, charter school, your kid must be jabbed, period. Um, if that goes into effect, then we at Pacific Justice, of course, will be challenging that. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, uh, the real results will be horrific. Uh, we estimate about 30% will leave the state of California at that point. Right. Of those parents objecting, about 40, 45% of parents object to their children being vaxxed with this, this current um, medication treatments that are not actual vaccines. Right. Uh, very controversial. Then the remaining 70% would probably homeschool or form homeschool consortiums. We at PGI yeah. are helping churches form homeschool, church homeschool consortiums or co-ops uh, across the United States. But in particular in blue states like California, where parents are really getting scared yeah. and they realize uh, for whatever reason they can't leave the state, they don't feel called to leave the state, uh, but they, they, want to do, they need to protect their kids. They can't afford a private school. The private schools have long waiting lists. So homeschool co-ops, that's the option that many of them will be, will be seeking. And I know PGI has been continuing to give advice to Christian schools and administrators and leaders. Just recently, uh, you were on a, on a Zoom call with over 500 attendees talking about what they can do on behalf of these things to get ready, to anticipate, because Christian schools don't want to lose a third or 50% of their enrollees. They're there to educate kids and and be there for families that's part of the reason why parents send their kids to private christian schools is to have that uh direction in the education of their children yeah and it's it's so important that private christian schools in particular be be protected uh we have a wonderful partner relationship with acsi american christian schools international uh to uh to provide any assistance that's necessary for their for their members of private Christian schools yeah. uh, and dealing with these issues. But, you know, some parents are afraid, gosh, should I pull my kid out of a private school now? Well, they don't need to. And so we give them counsel on how yeah. to deal with parents. So parents are empowered to know uh, that they don't need to panic at this point. Uh, schools can deal with it. In fact, private Christian schools are much safer at dealing with it right. than government schools that have teachers unions um, who are ecstatic about the jab. Uh, who cares about the long-term consequences to children? That's the attitude of the teachers' unions. Yeah, and uh, and they so public schools have become much more problematic. But we've written uh, opposition, former oppositions to both of these bills, uh, SB 871 and SB 866. I encourage people to sign up to get our press releases, uh, which is via our, our legal insider. They can sign up to get our legal insider on our website. Yeah. And I think that would be very helpful to them to keep up with these and other bills moving forward. And you also implemented a text notification, correct? Yes. In fact, yeah, people, it's really easy. Uh, they can just text PJI, okay. that stands for Pacific Justice Institute. So it's easy to remember that PJI uh, to the number 71541. Okay. And I remember this. Here's my little secret. Okay. <laughs> There's a 71 year old mm -hmm. having lunch with a 54-year-old, and there's a one-year-old in a, in a high chair joining him. So it's 71, 54, 1. Okay. That's, that works for me. Okay, so um, but that's a, a great way to contact us if they want information and to really be empowered moving forward. I understand there's also um, 
churches are having questions about uh, the uh, being restricted from public places, having church churches in public places. Yeah, and we've seen, I mean, I know that, that maybe we're moving away from some of the COVID restrictions, but that hasn't, that even before COVID and since, it, communities are still putting religious freedom, they're trying to contain it in a box. And the city of Salinas recently said, or a couple within the last couple of years, said that churches aren't fun enough or vibrant enough to be part of certain communities and areas within the city. And so PGI has stepped in. And what is the impact? Can can churches restrict things is this, or, or communities restrict churches where they can meet and where they can operate? Yeah, generally speaking, uh, they can't. Uh, and that's because of the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act of 2000. Okay. Uh, we at PGI have used that federal law time and time again. We've had Supreme Court, we've had uh, circuit court victories with this uh, and uh, in cases that have withstood uh, appeals to the Supreme Court. Uh, recently, uh, there's a case dealing with New Harvest Christian or Fellowship Church. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, it's an interesting uh, situation. So um, New Harvest uh, wanted to uh, move across the street and bought a building in, on Main Street there in Salinas, California. Yeah. Uh, everything seemed fine, but the city of Salinas said, no, no, no. Uh, churches aren't fun enough, as you just pointed out. So we're going to uh, uh, say you can only use the upper level of the building. The, the first floor, you have to do something, you know, like retail or something, something that's fun. Um, it's, it, first off, just the fact they, they made that statement shows their, their bigotry and hostility. Yeah. You know, I don't know how long it's been, they've been, how long it's been that they've been to church, but I love going to church on Sunday mornings. Right. And it, they're vibrant. Oh, very vibrant. So, you know, the churches aren't vibrant, really? So it says it's very telling about the people on the city council there at the yeah. Salinas, which is a really a real shame uh, that they, they uh, people of Salinas have that kind of leadership. But anyway, so the city council rejected the application. We at Pacific Justice Institute filed a lawsuit in federal court. We did not prevail. So then we appealed it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And this was this case was uh, carried out by our chief counsel, uh, Kevin Snyder. Okay. He's an, an excellent uh, str uh, legal strategist. Uh, he argued the case for the Ninth Circuit. And the Ninth Circuit just recently came down three to zero, reversed the lower court and said, yes, this church, New Harvest uh, Fellowship Church, has every right uh, to be able to be there and be on the first floor uh, and to operate just like everyone else. And it was a building they owned. <laughs> right. They, so Yeah, yeah. They, they, the church had bought this building. They paid for it fair and square. Yeah. And we, we pointed out, you know, to the, to the court, look, there's a, a movie theater downtown. There's other, yeah. there's a children's uh, place, to, you know, gathering. There's, there's areas to gather in, in downtown. You just don't like the fact that there's a cross involved with this gathering. Yeah. That's really what it came down to. And uh, the Ninth Circuit saw through it and, you know, hats off to President, former President Donald Trump, because he made many appointments to the Ninth Circuit mm. Court of Appeals. Yeah. And but for those appointments, I'm not so sure we would have had such a fair and equitable outcome by the by the court. Yeah, absolutely. And I love I love Chief Counsel Kevin Snyder's comment. He says this church did not seek special consideration, but simply asked for equal treatment. And that's, you know, what, what I think is like, we're, we're not looking for extra things. We're just saying, can churches be treated the same as other organizations? I know we had another big victory up in Oregon recently. There was a yeah. church that uh, simply wanted to uh, remodel to have one of, small part of its church, uh, a room used as a parsonage for a pastor and his wife so they can 
serve and minister to people who need help in that community. It's expensive to live where they were, where the, where the church was. They, they pastor couldn't afford it. Uh, the Coles Valley area. Uh, we went and we took on the case to make a long story short uh, because of, of our persistence, yeah. uh, the church won. Yeah. And now you've got a, a pastor and his wife. They are able to minister to the people in that community. Uh, fantastic victory. Then we had the gateway city church victory. Yeah. And I know that was part of some of the, the work that, that PJI was doing in Santa Clara County and where governor Gavin Newsom and the, the county health officials shut churches down. You can open pot shops and Walmart and everything else, but no churches. And then wanted to put these insane restrictions on them when they came in, you know, and, and not just the things that we were kind of used to with masking and so forth, but instituting dividers and things that were just over the top. Right. But in, in court, the in this case, ruled in favor of, of PGI's case. Uh, there's great opportunities and the church's, church needs to have its voice heard. The love of Christ compels us and nothing less. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.